feature presentation. Welcome back to another Untitled Sundance Review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside. He's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin. Oh, uh, shoot. I was just checking my finances. I thought something messed up. I hate you. I hate you so much. We've been having some technical difficulties today. Um, you know, we're a little bit behind on our, even our Sundance reviews. We're covering all, not all of Sundance, but as much as we possibly can this year, uh, which I'm very, very excited about. But uh, Eric got me. You got me. You got me. But yeah, today we are reviewing Chloe DeMont's uh, Fair Play Um which is uh, premiered at the Sundance Film Festival, just got picked up by Netflix for $20 million, which is... Talk about woo! a stock price uh, write-up, um, huh? <laughs> but yeah, um, uh, it does star uh, Phoebe Diniver, who uh, people would know from Bridgerton, I believe. So that kind of does make sense with that Netflix co uh, connection. Also starring Alden Ehrenreich. Um, yeah, so um, welcome to our Sundance reviews. I'm a little all over the place because we recorded some Oscar uh, nomination uh, reactions this morning. We've been screening nonstop Sundance movies all weekend. Um, my brain still hasn't caught up to be in festival mode yet, which is like, because I think it's that weird because we're doing it from home. It doesn't feel like it's like a festival. So I have to like go, oh, I have like three or four movies I got to watch today. I got to pump out three or four movies per day. Um, and my brain hasn't caught up with my mouth yet. So I apologize. But I'm excited to kind of talk about Sundance. We're going to try to keep these tight. I know I'm doing the rambling now, but this is our first one. So that's why I wanted to get that out of the way. Um, but we're going to try to keep these 10, 15 minutes, basically those kind of capsule style reviews where we're just going to kind of give our overall uh, initial thoughts on the film and if we sh if you could should put it on your radar for when this pops onto netflix or if someone other another studio picks a movie up or when these eventually come out later this year or maybe even next year uh so that's kind of the vibe of these uh eric how are you i'm good matt i i feel the same way where it's like your 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 mind and body are two different things where you're you're thinking to yourself, okay, you know, it's the beginning of the year. We we're, we're at the tail end of award season. You know, we, we talked about the Oscars on our regular show. Um, there's so much going on. And then on top of that, we're covering Sundance virtually. So, you know, we're watching at least two to four movies per day and trying to maintain some sort of lucid kind of quality and and yeah. how we are absorbing these movies, you know, and, and, and sometimes, you know, I, I don't know how, how you've been kind of approaching it, but I have been taking more notes than I normally do when it comes to festival uh, yeah. sort of uh, viewing. But I feel that that kind of helps because you have something like Fair Play, which, as you just mentioned, got picked up by Netflix for $20 million. So it will probably will be coming back into the conversation later in the year. So it's always nice to have a reference for what you saw and revisiting it as well. But it's kind of just good to kind of look at that initial impression and be like, okay, this is what worked and this is what didn't. And these are the things I kind of picked up on uh, while watching it. But I will say this about the film and, and we'll get more into it um, in, in a second of the movies that, that I've seen so far and, and Matt, you might disagree or, or because you've seen a few other things. It is one of the more um, watchable movies. And what I mean by that is that yeah. it's, it's, it, it keeps you focused on what is going on in in this kind of psychological drama i i don't want to use the term erotic thriller because i don't really think it is an erotic thriller 
Um, no. So with that in mind, it's just it's interesting where it's like some movies are kind of geared towards being more entertainment than they are kind of art house films. And this kind of feels more like an entertainment first and foremost with which some the, social commentary, which the 20 million from Netflix definitely makes sense for yes. that. Um, uh, with all these Sundance reviews, what I think I'm going to do is just give you kind of the synopsis from IMDb. That way you guys can kind of have an idea of what the movie's about, because a lot of these movies, much like Eric and I, you probably didn't know much about them going in. So if you're listening to this, you might've heard a little bit here and there based on some reactions already or some pickups like the Netflix deal. But, uh, so fair play is an unexpected promotion at a cutthroat hedge fund pushes a young couple's relationship to the brink, threatening to unravel far more than the their recent engagement um so it's very you know doesn't give you much but it kind of gives you an idea of what the movie's about it stars alden ehrenreich uh, uh phoebe dinover um i got that right we practiced um who is in bridgerton which that netflix thing makes sense uh eric so you already kind of alluded to it one of the more watchable films that you've seen so far but what are your first kind of uh thoughts on on fair play yeah, so Chloe Devant's crackling psychological drama coupled with palpable performances by uh, Phoebe uh, Dynever and uh, Alden Ehrenreich uh, unsparingly challenges personal and professional power dynamics. And that kind of is the best stuff of the film is kind of that back and forth between the two as they navigate the relationship through this uh, new part of their life, this new chapter in both their professional and personal uh, perspective. And so with that, like you have a very slick looking production. And I think a lot of people that watch this show industry on HBO will yeah. have that as a comparison going in, especially how it looks at <clears throat> gender politics as well. And how, you know, this is a very male dominated uh, industry in the finance market and sort of that kind of Wall Street style of, you know, investing in in, in capital. And I think a lot of it will, in, including in, in, in my own personal experience, will go over your head in oh, terms of dude, the, I was the jargon. Uh, I've seen so many movies on investment firms and hedge funds. And, and like you'd think by now I would sort of understand. And I kind of do based on trading stocks and investing into companies and for your clients and making the money and things like that. Like I get the general idea of it but it still takes me so long each movie when they really kind of start throwing around these terms and how they're getting promoted and how they need to advance their career where i'm like this is over my head and looks like a nightmare <laughs> so um, and the people that really yeah. truly uh are, are completely committed to it like i think that's the more yeah. interesting aspect of you know, a movie like this, like, like I even think of something like, you know, the original wall street or, you know, like, like a lot of these films that are dealing with kind of, you know, the, uh, white collar crime world in a way, even though this isn't necessarily yeah. white collar crime, it's just kind of in that similar zone of like Wolf of wall street as well. And, and as mentioned, you know, industry where you have, you'll do anything to succeed kind of. Thing. Yeah. And, and your job and their job is their life. Like they, 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 they yeah. give themselves over to it completely to the point where it's like, they live and die by, you know, the work they're doing. And if they have a bad day, you know, financially speaking, or if they invest in the wrong company or pick up the wrong stock or, or what have you, again, terminology and jargon that we're both maybe a little bit unfamiliar with and, you know, they lose money or they lose capital, you know, it can be the end of their career. You only have one 
shot at the top. And that's kind of where that cutthroat quality kind of comes in, where it's like you're constantly having to prove yourself, not just kind of coast on past successes, that you're only as good as your last deal. And you see that in a very interesting way, because I feel like the way the production design and the blocking of these scenes, the way that we see, you know, the, the head offices behind glass or the way that meeting rooms are set up where the people that are kind of uh, the higher ups are sitting at the main table. And then you have analysts sitting on the sidelines, kind of just being spectators. Um, a lot like of that meetings is and stuff. Yeah, yeah. A lot of that I think is the most interesting in terms of just like how, the the power hierarchy works within you know this field and it does feel yeah. in a way that it's not been touched by you know uh human resources or or you know looking at it from the point of view of of, of bettering uh an, a working environment for everybody it is still very much um male driven and it's and a, how that a, kind of applies to other relationships as well absolutely and I think that's kind of you know how the movie plays out i mean i wrote I read you guys a brief description of the movie, but um, Aaron Reich and Dinever's characters are in a relationship. Uh, they both work at the same uh, hedge fund. They're both analysts. And at one point in the movie, uh, Phoebe Dinever's character gets a promotion over her uh, fiance um, and she ends up, he ends up reporting into her um, at this uh, hedge fund. Um, so, and then how that power dynamic shifts and how gender roles and all this stuff comes into play. And to Eric's point, like I, I think it consistently kept me engaged throughout the thing. Like I, my mind was never drifting. I never wanted to look at my phone. Um, I was never bored. Like I was always interested in what was happening, but ultimately as it, kind of all came together um i always wanted it to go a little bit further or i wanted them to you know play around with that a little bit more and maybe that's my own expect i didn't really have any any expectations for any of these sundance movies because i didn't know much about them going in um but as i'm watching it out and you know it sort of pitches an erotic thriller but it's not really that it's um and in 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 that case is like i kind of wanted more of a cat and mouse game between this this couple that are both kind of vying for the same position at the same company and, and one person gets it and one not and how you kind of you know your your relationship shifts and and you want to try to outdo the other person due to jealousy or anything and like it, it's very straightforward i found like as it plays out with like one person's you know self uh destruction and um, as that kind of plays out throughout the movie, I became kind of less and less interested and it gets more and more dramatic um, and kind of heightened and, and ridiculous near that last act. But I think it was just missing like a back and forth because like I think the movie plays with those those gender roles and the power dynamics in in that quote unquote erotic way that they're kind of pitching it a little bit in like how they talk to each other during sex or in their home life and things like that. And you can kind of see um, how that's affecting both of them. But, you know, as it got on, it got more and more absurd of how you know, one of them is acting and, and how it kind of all plays out by the end that I think it ultimately kind of falls apart in the last act. And I think my enjoyment of it overall suffered. Like, I think while watching it, I'm like, oh, you know what? This is, you know, 
I kind of like that, what you said, like at these kind of hedge funds and things like that, and, you know, always having to get the big score, find the the right thing to invest in and everyone competing against one, one another. It's so high stakes and how that applies to a relationship is kind of, uh, interesting. Um, but ultimately by that third act, I, I was just kind of like, I don't know if I like where this is going and then where it goes. I'm like, really, that's kind of, that's it, eh? And it's nothing like I like at times Aaron Reich and, and Dinever, but then at times I go, do I like them or or do I not think that they're great actors? Like there are scenes where I go, oh, this is really good. Like I can, I see the emotion. I see them kind of acting their asses off. And then sometimes it goes into that place where I'm like, oh, I know you guys are trying really hard and it's kind of being overacted and it becomes a little bit, you know, more and more ridiculous, which you can take in that if you, if you really wanted to play this as a straight erotic thriller, like some of that over the top nature is part of that genre, right? Like that's that sleaziness, the, the kind of extraness of the, the gaudiness of that kind of genre can kind of apply, but this movie plays it fairly straight and then kind of goes off the rails. I feel like in that last act. So it ultimately kind of hindered my enjoyment. And I think it's a watchable movie. Um, it makes sense for Netflix, I think. Um, but ultimately, it just didn't really vibe with it by the end of it. Yeah, I, I really like two thirds of this movie quite a bit. And I think that like DeMont's direction is completely controlled and calculated in yeah. that setup of, of this relationship that's kind of, again, under the radar because they have a policy at work that they, you know, they don't want people dating. And so they're kind of juggling that sort of uh, secrecy on top of also kind of trying to both one up each other but there's also something about it where it's like there could have been a little bit more of these two characters Emily and Luke kind of trying to one up each other and and try to figure yeah. out like you know who has the upper hand in in scene to scene and kind of keep it in a um you know teetering kind of way where you're never sure who is going to be you know who's the, in control the, really yeah, right of like, the victor and i think that that's the thing that kind of keeps suspense going there are moments though where again like i think like having eddie marson as sort of the 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 boss of this this financial uh firm you know like the way that he is portrayed i think is kind of this very icy cold and and, and cool kind of character who comes in and you know changes the dynamic of, of the power structure from time to time and again he's you know, focus mostly on money and on, on finances and on, on the monetary value of what the company is doing than anything else. And there's some commentary about, you know, whether, you know, sexism is involved and uh, diversity hiring and things like that. And all of that is important to talk about. And I feel again, like HBO's, interesting, HBO's but... industry does a lot of that. And so it, in a way it is kind of derivative, even though, you know, there are moments that I think between the two leads work really well. Aaron Reich's an interesting actor because there was a moment there where he was becoming kind of a, you know, potential movie star. You know, I, I think a lot of people really liked him in Hail Caesar, you know, Caesar. In his, in and then obviously the, Solo. But. Yeah. And Solo was the film <clears throat> that basically, you know, detoured his career a little bit because not necessarily his performance, it's just the film kind of tanked and it didn't do well for, for any of the leads for the most part. Um, but you you look at him, he's he's an interesting guy because he has this quality where in any scene, he either 
acts or looks like Leonardo DiCaprio, Jack Nicholson, uh, Joshua Jackson, and a little bit of Matt Damon. And it kind of feels like he's morphing into one of those actors in any one scene. So there's a weird inconsistency in terms of that. And that's not, nothing against his performance per se. That's more so me projecting onto him. Um, but there is that quality where it's like, I think like the best version of him is the Jack Nicholson version of him, because this feels sure. like something that if it was made in the seventies or eighties, maybe Jack Nicholson would have been the star of, of this kind of, of movie um, with Phoebe uh, Dynever, I felt that her performance in this movie was the strongest of the two, just because I feel the arc is more fleshed out and has sort yeah. of a trajectory where it's, it's, it's kind of growing There's more nuance to it too. Yeah. Like I really like, the way that, you know, there's one sequence and I don't want to give too much away, but it's not really a spoiler. There's a moment where something happens that she she's able to rebound with the company and it's her walking literally from one side of the room to her yeah. office and the way that she walks in a very confident manner, um, you know, amongst a sea of men. It's just like little moments like that that I feel really work quite well or even like when she's watching a british um trial you know the the results and then you see in the background aaron reich's character making coffee and he's grinding the beans and then she tells him to stop because she can't hear it like those little things i really kind of like picked up on and then there are other moments that i found weirdly distracting and again i don't know if it's intentional or not but like the 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 aaron reich character he basically goes on to this kind of like self-help guru kind of like, you know, yeah. Tony Robinson thing. And the actor who's playing him in the one kind of video <laughs> is, is Patrick Fleischer from uh, Mulholland Drive and Twin Peaks, The Return. Yeah. And I kept thinking and that mall we were at. In yeah. LA. Yeah. And, and under the Silver Lake. <laughs> and I kept thinking to myself, oh, is this character going to like come back in Play any a bigger way? Role and he doesn't. Something. Yeah. But that's just, again, maybe a character actor thing where it's like, you know, I'll come and record this YouTube I video get what for they're... five seconds. <laughs> I, I get you have to it's a little bit of a reach like you have to put it together yourself of how he's acting is based on everything he's reading in this book and these teachings and stuff like that but like but why he's doing it as well like, because he feels yeah. emasculated he feels like yes like yeah. he was entitled to a position that you know he he wasn't able to you know obtain in the way that he wanted to and again like it's 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 interesting from the from the point of view of of sexism and gender identity and politics and even yeah. just like the idea of of who's the breadwinner of a family um and those things i think are all really good and, and again the 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 thing I that i really like as well that i think is maybe a very subtle thing is anytime she has calls with her mother her mother's from long island she has a very kind yeah, of like yeah. stereotypical accent but uh, Dynaver's character Emily the way that she talks like you can tell that the character probably over time had trained herself not to behave not like to somebody from yeah. Long Island in the way that like I remember Stephen Colbert talked about how like he repressed his southern uh you know dialect because he when felt he that, got into yeah yeah because he felt people would think that he's not well smart even when she or, says she's from long island someone makes a comment about it of how long she has to travel into work and stuff like that too right but, yeah and those little um, things i think really do help in kind of adding a little bit more but it's yeah it's just those last 15 minutes where it kind of feels like it needed yeah, almost 15, another 20 half an hour yeah, to kind know. of really conclude that in a way that was more i don't even say satisfying. I agree. It's, it's almost two hours but like it, it's there's something about 
the leaps in logic or or certain things in that last act that I just and I get things escalate and especially things can be tense in a relationship and when you add in um you know uh, a career and work on top of that it's almost you know too much um and I just feel like there's some things in that last act that I think undercut some of those good things that you're talking about where I'm like there could have been a more interesting way to do this and that cat and mouse game of what, trying to one up each other and someone winning or no one winning kind of thing um, that I just feel like there's so many huge leaps where at those last moments I'm kind of not laughing at what's happening, but I go, how did it escalate this far? And those are some of the erotic thriller elements, but like, you know, obviously erotics, the wrong word for certain things, but like, um, they try to have that kind of like, you know, sexual dominance, I think is, is is a better way of phrasing it where like there is a kind of sense of, 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 of sexual prowess and power over the other person and using that to your advantage or, even in your relationship or your career or even stereotyping, you know, other people where like, again, like, you know, the conversation of why the Emily character got the position, not because, you know, she is intelligent. She has, you know, a a piece written in, in, in the wall street journal when she was 17. And like, she's more analytical than anybody else in the office. She slept with her boss. Right. Because that's just how shitty men are in, in, in places like this. So, yeah, I think there was a decent movie um like an oh like i was mildly enjoying myself for the majority of it and then i think it kind of crumbles at the end there so you know not the worst thing in the world i mean when it pops up on netflix i'm like if you're interested in it or you like aaron reich or Dinover, then like give it a shot but um i would have liked them to take another stab at um that last uh act because i just don't think it quite works so uh, I'm just I'm mixed negative, so I'm gonna give it a two point five out of five. And I'm mixed positive. I think that this is two thirds of a really strong film, and if it had you know stuck the landing, um, it would have been probably a four four and a half because there are so many things that are wow. working. But then it kind of gets to that point where some of the unresolved issues that are brought up in a kind of tangential way in the first sort of act and even like kind of full circle quality of the storytelling where you can kind of see the seams in those last, you know, few sequences does kind of ruin the movie in not a way that it's not completely, you know, just kind of pushes it to the side, but yeah, but it, it, but it kind of feels like there's a, there's a greater film here and there's a better movie here, but for what it is, I think it's, it's very much, um, an entertaining suspenseful thriller that works on the performances and the writing and with the kind of slick look that it has. And, and again, I don't think calling it an erotic thriller is the way to go. I think this is definitely, they're going to market it that way. It's a psychological Absolutely. drama. I mean, like this yeah, is inside baseball, but we have but the there's a lot and of like plus sure. um, Sundance thing. So if, there are, yeah, there are some explicit things that happen. They'll, the, you know, more trigger warnings, I think are a good thing. Yes. Um, but I, I do think like they will play up the sexy language and the sex scenes between the couple, because it's still very much like this, 
it's going to be marketed as that sexy cat and mouse game, even though it's not necessarily that. So I, I, I could be wrong, but it's Netflix. So I'm assuming that's how they'll market it. So yeah, so I'll give it a three out of five. And I quickly wanted to prompt you on this because you mentioned it before we started recording. Uh, you mentioned oh, Swole Burnham. Yes, Swole Burnham. Which is Rich Summer. If Go look up Rich Summer. You'll know him when you see him. He's always kind of in small... Uh, character roles and stuff like that he popped up in he's in uh, mad men recently uh, mad men but king richard uh recently and um and more but he you'll see him pop up in everything but he i said he looks like you know bo burnham if he was swole so um he was part of glow he was a main cast member there um but yeah he looks like swole burnham they could play brothers eric was saying which i totally agree with um all right our 15 minute review is now 24 uh, <laughs> we're gonna try to keep these down but uh, appreciate you guys uh listening or watching uh, we'll be covering a bunch of films from sundance um so keep it locked right here on uh, untitled movie reviews we'll have reviews for eileen theater camp infinity pool magazine dream sometimes i think about dying run rabbit run uh the pod generation and more uh right here on untitled movie reviews uh one-stop shop for everything just head over to letterboxd which is untitled underscore movies drop us a review on your podcast service of choice if you would be so kind our thumbs up on YouTube. We really appreciate that. And then go check out our new podcast, The Cast of Us, which is a HBO The Last of Us podcast on all podcast services and on YouTube and everywhere you can find Untitled Movie Podcasts. And our newest episode of the Untitled Movie Podcast is also up, which is our Oscars. Uh, I mentioned it. We did our Oscars uh, nominations reaction kind of, of, of to all the nominees. So go check that out as the untitled movie podcast, one forty three. Uh, same spots as those other ones. Uh, as always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. You can find more of my work around the internet, but mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com. And you can follow me on all those social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. And I'm Eric Marchin. You can find more of my video reviews on rogerstv.com slash cinema scene and on the social medias at EM6211. Until next time. Fair play, Swole Burnham. Fair play. <laughs>